Well, hello everyone. Um, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, um, depending of course uh, where in the world you are and listening to me, Roger Armstrong, as a very, very happy and humbled guest host on a County Road Bobblers podcast with two very good friends of mine in these desperate times. You need your friends around you. And of course, I've got Dave Witch from the Bobblers. Dave, good evening. Evening to you, Rog. Thanks for uh, coming along and uh, helping us with this one. Well, I thought you've got enough on your mind and hosting a bloody podcast, and I think you've got more than enough to say uh, on this topic. And uh, I wanted to be able to speak freely, so it's a pleasure to step in. And alongside you is another fantastic Evertonian, um, passionate, determined, and absolutely magnificent Katie Carter. How are you? Yeah, man. Good, thank you. All apart from Everton. Apart from Everton, aren't we all? Yeah. Um, okay, I want to try and make this a positive discussion, but there are lots and lots and lots of things to talk about. And I'd like to start in some kind of chronological order because less than a week ago, I think it was, which um, you quit your role as vice chair of the Everton Fans Forum. And as we were talking just off air, uh, amongst this wonderful fan base, we have this diverse fan base, this wonderfully eclectic fan base. You are one of the... Uh, most generous of spirit, the kindest, the most understanding, the most collaborative, the least antagonistic people I know. So what on earth brought you to quit that role at the Everton Fans Forum? I don't know if I've ever been described as some of them, Roger, but I'll, 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 t- I'll take you for the purpose of the air, the podcast. <clears throat> I think it's, it's fair to say, you know, if we similar to what you said about chronological order of why I joined the Fans Forum in the first place. Um I'll be honest, I didn't really know much about the fans forum when I joined it. Um, obviously, done the anti-racism campaign, Moise Keane. I uh, really kind of enjoyed doing something positive and, and seeing, you know, fans come together. Um, and I kind of fancy doing something else, you know, and, and trying to make something positive out of, you know, supporting Everton. Because uh, as we know, quite often there's, there's nothing positive at all. Um, and I found the fans forum. Um, I looked at it and I, I remember um, seeing, uh, I don't think I even followed them on, on Twitter at that time, started following it and seeing there was like a link for a couple of things when they were recruiting, I had to look into it, didn't really know any of the people on it, uh, all strangers. And I thought, I'll, I'll try and join. Uh, obviously, it's a volunteer position and I thought, you know, it's given up a couple of days midweek and I'm one after and, and turning up at meetings, but you get to meet fans. Uh, and funny enough, before we came on, we talked to, you know, Katie and, and yourself about that, that being the best part sometimes about Everton. Sometimes it's the only part that we can enjoy is is actually meeting, you know, other Evertonians. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that side of things. You know, got to make, you know, like to Jay Teakin and help him out with, you know, a lot of his mental health work. And and that for me was, was why I joined the fans forum. But more importantly, to make a difference and to try and vocalise how we feel. Because I think quite often you do feel like you've got no voice. You know, there's a lot of frustration at times. Um, you know, I'd, I'd done this podcast for a similar thing because I wanted to start talking about how I feel as an Evertonian. Um, so fast forward two years, come, you know, nine, ten months, I think it, it's up to me volunteering time. Um, do I really feel like I've ever been able to make a difference, a big difference? I think I've been listened to at a fan engagement level. And for anyone that doesn't know the structure of the club, the fan engagement team are, are the team that tend to 
put on a lot of the events for 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 fans. You know, like sort of the banners out and and anything you might see in terms of like launches. You know, the you know that you see online where they're trying to you know have uh, certain things that they, they connect with fans. Um, but then there's the other level. You know, that senior level at Everton that doesn't really ever seem to change. Even, you know, there's this kind of belief that you, you you see them being on the inside as such, being, you know, albeit the Evertonians, but meeting up at the, you know, the football club. We do go to the, the Royal Live buildings, but I've seen Denise once virtually, and that's nearly three years. Um, that surprised me because I thought, you know, being CEO of Everton Football Club and she, you know, quite often refers to her fans forum, you know, the club's fans forum. I've only seen her once and, and that was virtually. Um, I thought she was, you know, you would have seen some of these people who would have really been trying to speak to the fans as, as often as they could. Uh, I've only ever spoke to Bill Kenwright once. I think Christmas, Denise, that one time got him on a Zoom because he couldn't connect to Zoom himself and had to to, to dial him in on loudspeaker. Um, and, it, you know, I don't even actually think he knew who we were. He sounded confused and, and you know, he just didn't seem to know who he was speaking to. And I think Denise had to remind him a couple of times on the thing, on the phone. Uh, and the more I learned is, is there is a huge disconnect. You know, I think the fan engagement team do a fantastic job. You know, like to Christine, Beth, Mo, for anyone that, that might come across them. I think they do do a fantastic job. and They do care as Evertonians. But my problem has been the lack of direction at the very top of the shop. You know, the lack of direction from the board's directors. You know, the fact that we're... You know, since my time, the fans forum were getting worse progressively year on year, and I'm, we're just not being listened to. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm being listened to isn't responding to phone and talk sports, or yeah. actually reading the letter that we sent last Friday, and 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 ignoring everything that's being detailed. With you know, we asked Farhad Mashiri obviously in an open letter um, to respond to fans' concerns. You know, were very evident. That's that's not listening to fans it's basically yeah. just reading something and just saying what you want back you're not actually listening to how fans care you know we've not heard anything in, in the times of trouble from bill kenwright where's denise barra paxendale you know bought a couple of program notes here and there that we you know if you i didn't even buy the program to be honest with you but you know if you, you're lucky enough to, to buy the programs you, you get to hear from them but i just feel there's a disconnect now maybe i'm being a bit unfair at times and no doubt that you know the engagement team probably do speak to um, you know, club at senior level, but how can I carry on turning up and giving my time for free? Trying to help Evertonians and making sure their voices are being heard if they're not. That'd be disingenuous of me to do that. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's wrong. It, you know, it, it, this club's going backwards. We're in a position now where people need to do what's right. And if that's stepping away from these positions, speaking out, sending a tweet turning up, you know, to show you, making sure your voice is heard or you're doing a sitting. I think it's time for Evertonians to come together and actually do the things that need to be done before it's too late. And it might already be too late. So, sorry, that was a, a, a you know, a, a long answer, Roger, but, you know, I, I'm absolutely gutted. I, I, you know, last week when I done that, I was, I, 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 you know, it sounds awful, but I, I was I was almost upset doing it because I feel like I've let Evertonians down. You know, I'm a fellow blue myself and, and, and I don't feel like I've done why I joined the fans forum was to really make a difference and not make a difference with a couple of events here and there and, and the little things, but make the big difference of, of you know, making this club the best it can be because it's far from it. Dave, don't apologise. That was exactly the answer I was hoping for because it was detailed and it was passionate. It was obviously triggered by this ridiculous intervention from Farhad Mashiri via TalkSport. 
Katie, can I come to you? Because I know both you and which were very heavily involved in a lot of the stuff that went on last season to drag the team over the line and keep us in the Premier League, uh, organising a lot of stuff with the Atmosphere Group. And you are an incredibly loyal home and away um, supporter. You got quite close to the club, you, well, to the club, to the sort of outer reaches of the club, to those who, who deign to come and speak to the supporters. But there was a sense of togetherness. We had Frank Lampard dancing on top of the executive boxes and embracing everyone in the director's box. And the pitch was filled with Evertonians after that glorious and inverted commas victory to save our skin against Crystal Palace, the result of a really concerted and unified campaign. So how the hell did we get to this position in January of 2023, where the owners talk into talk sport and you as a fan base feel totally alienated from the club again? I think we were already in this position. I don't think we got out of that position. Um, I don't think that Crystal Palace game it papered over the cracks, but only for some. So I think for me, you know, that night wasn't a night of celebration for me. That night was a night of relief that we were still a Premier League club. There's nothing to celebrate. It'll never be anything to celebrate in my eyes. You know, if people chose to go on the pitch that night, that's absolutely fine. You know, would never judge anybody. I'll be honest, I think if that game was just, you know, two or three nil to us and it just went that way on the night, I don't think you would have seen them scenes. I'll be honest, I think it was That's the man we won in and, you know, we were two nil down and, you know, it, it looks like we're, we're going down at that point and it looks like not. And it, the mad thing is, it actually turns out even if we'd got beat that night, we still wouldn't have gone down anyway. I think the way it worked out on points or goals or whatever it was, but at that time, obviously, it hasn't felt that way. But for me, you know, it doesn't really, that game's gone now, it doesn't matter. It's nothing to celebrate, it's nothing to look back on as an achievement. Don't get me wrong, the atmosphere was incredible. You know, some people have said, best atmosphere you've ever seen at Goodison. My dad being one of them, who, you know, who was at the likes of the Bayern Munich game and stuff like that, he's actually stated that was the, the best atmosphere in the the loudest he's ever heard Goodison. But I look at that game as, that's one of the worst games I've, that's probably the worst game I've ever been to as a yeah. fan, to be honest. I, I've done nothing but cry in the second half. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even ashamed to admit it. There's people mm-hmm. around me, like people who go home and away. And I think when I went to two all, I just sat in my seats and just cried. I didn't even jump at any goal. I was that petrified that they were going to go and score. No, in Everton, because, you know, that's what happens in the past and it's bounces and you've gone and overly celebrated and then the team's gone down the other end and got a winner or an equaliser. And I was just too scared and I had a, a lad pick me up saying, come on, girl, it'll be all right. Come on. And I, I just couldn't. It was horrible. It was horrific. And I never, ever want to go through that ever again. And here we are, eight months on. And I'm more worried now than what I was back then. And obviously things have happened since then. And I think prior to that and prior to, you know, being a part of, you know, we say we're a part of a group. Listen, this this group happened, it come together on desperation at the end of the day. And that's what it was. It, it was just a 
group of people who go to match who have since become really good mates and have, have like gone, do you know what, we need to do something, what can we do? Anything, you know, we'll contact the club and Dave, you know, done that for us. On, and the, to be fair, the fan engagement team have been absolutely superb. They have. I've seen people this week saying the board invited us to Goodison. I'll be honest, if the board invited me to Goodison, I wouldn't go because I don't like them. So it, that didn't matter. Nobody invited us. Nobody from the board invited us to Goodison. I think we'd had about six meetings um, prior to the Crystal Palace game, I think it was. The Brentford game, sorry. Oh, Brentford, yeah. I think we'd had about six meetings and obviously we'd been designing flags and we'd been giving them to them. And, and he said, you know, we've got some flags here. We need you to come and look at them. Let us know if you think they're okay. This meeting was just a normal standard meeting as, as we normally would have and did have from like the February. Um, and we got there and there was all flags outside of Goodison. Um, and that's when Lampard come. You know, it was a surprise for everybody. Fair yeah. play to him, you know. Apparently, I think he asked for it, didn't he, Dave? Didn't he ask? He arranged it. Apparently so, yeah. Yeah, he, he reached he out. He asked and, for me, people. Yeah. Um, which was really nice of him. And, you know, the fan engagement team, team sorted that out. And that was really lovely. But I haven't done this to meet a manager. I've done it to get me help do anything I could with 40,000 others. Get our team out of the mess it was in. Yeah. But as much yeah. as the group can come up with an idea, it's okay if nobody follows it. It doesn't work, does it? So yeah. everybody it like snowballed and everybody got behind it and it was it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think yeah. that we're now back in the same situation and and having to do, you know, coach greetings against Southampton. I think it was agreed in the summer we in the account put a tweet out and it was I think it was a vote or it was a tweet of what games you want, coach greetings, and it was big games, big like the top six, so-called Sky top six. And that's what it was agreed, and I think it, it killed a little bit at the beginning of the season. I think we had three in the first five or six games, and it, it did kill it, to be honest. Um, and then it was decided to put a vote out for the Southampton game. And again, you know, Everybody's rocking up the Goodison two hours before to try and help this situation we, that we should never ever be in. But I'm shocked within it. Absolutely not, no. Because while you've got the same people making the same mistakes, having yeah. the same impact, you're going to get the same results. So, you know, for me, it's insanity doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. Yeah, thanks, Katie. You've brought me to exactly the point I wanted to get to now, which is um, two hours before kickoff, or maybe it's midday uh, on on Saturday. Because um, what I'd like to explore with you two is this business about getting the club. What the hell it means? Because what I believe is the only people that get this club are the fans, um, not the directors, not anybody who's employed by Everton Football Club, which includes the players, includes the managers, because managers, they come and go. Players, they come and go. The people who get Everton Football Club are the fans. We're the only ones who provide unconditional and unrewarded support and commitment. And if the fans, you disrespect 
the fans of any football club, but in particular our very precious football club at your peril. So for this board of directors and for this owner to say he understands that he gets the football club. So you, Katie, have very clearly explained why we were planning a coach group for about one o'clock on, on Saturday. And um, at 12 o'clock on Saturday, these people who get the club decided to announce that they weren't coming and they couldn't come because of a whole host of reasons, some of which were, I don't know, uh, exaggerated, invented or accurate. We don't know because there's very little evidence that we've seen um, of whoever it was who warned them, told them, ordered them not to come. How did you guys feel? Um, I was actually, you know, being uh, 300 miles away. I was walking my dog on the beach at the time. It was freezing cold. And my dad, who still lives up there, he called me. I thought, what are you calling me? He said, well, they're, they're not they're not coming. The, the, the board aren't coming because he had football focus on, right? So carefully timed was this release on Saturday. Um, how did you both feel when, when, when that news broke uh, from these people who su supposedly get the club? And understand what Everton means to people. Which I I, I was stood in the wind Winnie at the time, having a, a Guinness like I, I normally do. Nice, uh, nice. I was supposed to be doing dry January, but as ever, Everton have driven driven me to drink, and it's it's less than a couple of weeks into January. So there was a big group of us, um, obviously trying to enjoy ourselves because often it's the game that gets in the way of a good day out, doesn't it? You know, you get to meet your mates and, and talk about the footy, and and one of the lads who was with us says something to do with the board aren't coming there's been threats and um obviously just picking things up as they come through because you barely ever got signal after you by by the ground and yeah. and then the next minute there was something about you know the the ceo denise bad baxendale being in a headlock and everyone was just like looking at each other like what, what the hell is this about like you like when do you know what i mean because all the questions you want to know then it's 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 like natural reaction isn't it when did this happen like what happened how did it happen what's the context behind it and, and none of them answers were available you know it was I think from what I can remember it was you know one of the lads was reading it out and, and he said a, an unnamed source or something similar or a, a source from the club um, had said that this has happened um, and then it was only later on that I think one of them was rereading it again and then he said oh no it was it was 11 days ago and then obviously the reaction was like, well, why are they releasing this like now? Um, but then the, the danger is everyone's at a pint, haven't they? You know, and the whispers happen and people are getting different stories. And and then I heard someone else saying the CEO's being attacked. And and, and then, you know, the, all these stories were spinning. I think it was a real dangerous time to release a real throwaway comment like that when everyone's at a pint, everyone's, you know, in, trying to enjoy the game and, you know, things get passed on. People can't necessarily get to the phones and actually read stuff themselves and process things the same. So what a time to release a story like that. You know, and, I, I, and considering it happened 11 days ago, I thought it was a dangerous and destructive mechanism to use to try and release a set of facts like that at the time that it was done. Now, I don't obviously still know nearly a week later the facts because... We still know. They don't know either because it no. didn't happen. Yeah, I, I, and that's the worrying thing. There's and, and no the... facts. The fact is, it didn't happen. That's the fact. Yeah. Where, where were you, Katie, when you when you heard about it, and how did you react? Um, I was getting ready to go and meet Dave and the Winnie. Um, yeah. We were going in ourselves when it was announced that um, that they weren't actually coming the match, and 
as we got to Goodison, we pulled up, there was already people, you know, a few thousands already lying the streets and it was already like coordinated by the police and stuff like that where the coach was going and this was like an hour before the bus was even due to arrive. This was about half twelve, something like that. And I walked past somebody um, and had a little chat with um I don't know if you may know him, Pauli off. Oh yes. Yes. Oh, no, not Twitter, yeah. Done the, the video and somebody's done a voiceover of his little speech, which was great. Yeah. And I think he turned around and he said something like, Who's advising these? And I just said, You've just hit the nail on the head for absolutely everything people have been harping on about for 18 months, two years in formerly known as the 27 campaign, I said, they're advising themselves and this is the problem what you've got. They've actually sat around the table or over the phone and had this discussion thinking that this was the right thing to do. That's in the public domain. Mm-hmm. What are they doing behind the scenes that aren't? It's clear as day what they're doing because the evidence is all it, you know, to see. It's run shockingly, this football club, and they've aired the dirty laundry, their dirty laundry, they show people how they work. This is how low they'll stoop. That they'll turn it on us. They've themselves. Katie, do you think that it, I, I think this, but I, I want to know your thoughts as well. Did you think that the atmosphere turns a bit? It went from being like a celebratory, joyous thing to everyone being really kind of confused and a bit yeah, annoyed and, 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 you know. I don't think it turns in a, in a nasty way. It was, what the F's gone on here? That's yeah. how it is. I come out and I spoke to a, a well-known journalist who was outside. Um, and I was like, what the hell has gone on here? And I had a look yesterday, actually, it was six minutes before the bus arrived, 24 minutes past one. Joe Thomas put that in the echo about the headlock. And I was like, how damn and how dangerous was it for them to even do that? Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, it's that pissed me off more than anything. It, it wound me up more than the result wound me up. I, like, at the time, the result on my head in, but as the days have gone on, that's really grounded my gears, that, because they've absolutely, Ian Wright hit the nail on the head today when he's rectified what he'd said stupidly on Saturday night. They threw us under the bus. Well, they tried absolutely. to. And it's backfired on them. You know, at the end of the day, these are just custodians. Yeah. These are passing through our club. We're here. Our kids will be here. Our grandkids will be there. You know, our dads, our mums, our brothers, our sisters, everybody, we've, we've been there. You, you're picking on the wrong people to do it because we're going to be there way after you've gone. We're the only ones who, that this club have got and you've gone and basically started a war with them. These same fans kept that club up. How dare they insult every single Evertonian? And do you know what? Not just, sadly... They're a business and we're customers. They've insulted the customers. They're paying customers. We paid to go that match on Saturday. They get paid to go and they still couldn't turn up. 
because they fabricated a lie, a bare-faced lie, to make us look bad. It's nothing short of a disgrace, and it shouldn't be forgotten. It shouldn't be brushed under the carpet. You should be held accountable for it. Katie, Katie, I don't think this will ever be forgotten. We we talk about turning points. No, 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 it can't be. It it can't be. You see, the other thing for me, I've got two points I'd just like to raise with you for for your feedback here. Number one is they disrespect the fan base. They don't understand the fan base. They don't listen to the fan base yet. But they also take us for fools. And the one thing Evertonians are is fools. The whole timing of that story, I agree with both of you, was highly, highly dangerous, highly inflammatory and deliberately so, in order to distract attention and perhaps promote something that might happen, which would be unsavoury, which would shed more bad light onto the supporters. That was premeditated and was absolutely disgraceful. The other issue that I've got, and I'd like your thoughts on this, is we talk about... People provoked fans on Saturday. Yep. They prodded us with a hot iron and went, go on, let's see how much we can push you. Yes, That's absolutely right. Doing. Yeah, and, and there was no response. Um, the the, 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 the uh, coach group was as good as it ever was. The atmosphere in the ground during the game was fantastic. And the sit-in was um, proper and dignified and in no way violent or antagonistic. But my real issue with all of this is we talk about the club or we talk about who the custodians of the club are. The club is the fans. So when they put out these ridiculous statements and they sign it, the football club, it's not even signed Denise Barrett-Baxendale. It's not signed Bill Kenwright. It's not even signed Prentice. It's not signed Richard Kenyon. It's not signed by any of them. It's signed by this thing called Everton Football Club. And this thing called Everton Football Club isn't them. Everton Football Club was the fans, the boys and girls who greeted the coach, the thousands who watched on a stream, the 40,000 who were in the ground. Everton Football Club is the supporters. Everton Football Club is people like me who sat on their sofa in absolute disgust at Gary effing Lineker suggesting that it was totally out of order for somebody to take the chief executive in a headlock. Well, of course, it's totally out of order, Gary, but it didn't happen. So check your bloody facts before you go on national television. This was all incited by these people speaking as the club. We are the club. The fans are the club. We don't get paid to go the game. We pay to go the game. And it's an absolute disgrace that these people are speaking under the name of Everton Football Club. Roger, the other dangerous thing I was thinking about this and look by all means you know I'll, I'll sit here and, and tell you a, a million things that I'm not happy with about Farhad Mashiri um, you know I've heard people say sell up and go and it's hard to, to actually say that maybe he shouldn't now well in fact he probably should but if you were him I had my uncle my uncle um, lives over in America now um, he, he owns a soccer academy got his own football club over there well soccer club as you want to call it and he knows a lot of people um, involved in the state and in, 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 I'll just call it football. For, anyway, we're not going to go down that soccer. Hey, boys, we're not soccer. going there. I, I, and he he didn't know that this is being corrected. So yeah. all he heard, the last thing he heard and, and, and the chatter with people in the States was all he heard on Saturday. They haven't seen, yeah. you know, the, the favourite information. So as far as they're concerned, and, and I'll probably not just, you know, restricted to America is this this happens you know they haven't seen the actual corrections at the end so if you were Farhad Mashiri if you were looking for investors or someone to 
to invest in the stadium or naming rights or to sell the football club to, I'd be absolutely raging if I was Farhad Mashiri and I would be tearing that board of directors and you wanted to find out who said what. I want a full chronology of how it happens. You know, I'd be doing, you know, checks on the company phones to find out who spoke to the Liverpool Echo or or Joe Thomas or whoever the unnamed source is. And I, I, I think that that comment has damaged his business. It could have cost him hundreds of millions, that, that decision. It could have cost him a, a naming right. You know, who wants to get involved at the air and the CEOs are getting headlocked? And that still hasn't been corrected in different parts of the, of the world. No, you know, and, and, no, and the, states, the States is one place that he's been looking at. So someone at the football club has potentially cost the owner or the majority shareholder millions and millions of pounds. And you know they've got away with it. Do you know whose fault that is? That's his own. It is, yeah. No, it, it's it, it, it's own fault because no he's allowed these people. Listen, if you if you've got clowns running the show, you're always going to get a circus. Always. There's too many clowns. Well, they're all clowns. There's not too many. There's not even enough of them. There's only four of them, and five including the owner. They're absolute clowns. He's allowed these people like, to still be involved at this club. He's allowed these people to come on board and make these decisions on a constant basis, though. This is just a decision that we've seen publicly. Can you even imagine what goes on behind closed doors? Yeah, exactly. But he knows about these things. He knows yeah. that these people are more than capable of doing these type of things because the chairman has done these type of things for 22 years. This is nothing new. He knows all of this, but he's allowed it to happen. So he's costing himself money. He's potentially putting this club in jeopardy, not on a weekly basis, not on a monthly basis, on a daily basis now, because the more that comes out, the more they speak, the worse they get, and the more they're putting themselves under huge pressure. If he had anything about them, he would sack the lot tomorrow. Never mind what goes on off the field and how poor the clubs run. They should be sacked for that bit anyway. This should just be the icing on the cake. And it's unfortunately right now silence. It's definite. You can't yeah. hear the thing. The only <clears> thing coming out with is let's be honest, utter shite. Because they're trying to dig themselves out of a hole that they're too buried in. It'll never, ever happen. They've gone. It's Unfortunately, it's become us v them. We didn't make it that way. They made it that way on Saturday. They made it that way completely. We were happy to go to that ground early, support the players, greet them in for 90 minutes plus, back them on the pitch, which is exactly what happened, by the way. And then peacefully protest, which is also what happened after the game. Now, do I agree with fans doing it? No, I don't. But I can understand why. I'm not condoning it, but I get it. They're frustrated, they're angry. And unfortunately, the board and the owner put them players in that position on Saturday after that game. Because it's not the players that them fans should have gone at. It's not the players that they should have demanded answers from. 
It was the board of directors that should have faced them answers, not the players. Stopping Anthony Gordon. The good thing is, for as bad and as, you know, as it did look, and it, you know, it's not nice to see that happen. He didn't get physically damaged and neither did his car. It was questions asked in an angry manner. But again, these, these fans have had the pistol out of them. They're angry. But what this board done on Saturday was leave the players and the manager hang He left them to hang out to dry. Okay, what happened on the pitch? They haven't gone and helped themselves. I'm not disputing that. I'm not saying that. You know, they shouldn't be held accountable, these players, because they should. They should. The minute they cross that white line in an Everton shares, they should be given 110% minimum. Now, how the manager wants to spin that working and if they've done that or not is irrelevant. The fact is, it didn't happen and it happens when they want it to happen and it didn't happen enough on Saturday. And it's as simple as that. So they are accountable and the manager's accountable. But the ones who were accountable more than most didn't bother to turn up. That is not short of a disgrace. They left them to hang out to dry. That should never have happened, but it did because if that maybe wouldn't have happened in the day, it wouldn't have been so angry afterwards. And they're not realising this, so they'll spin it onto the fans, which is, let's be honest, Bill Ken Wright's known for this. He's done it before. He stood outside the parking gate. It's, there's a footage of it on YouTube. What does he say? You, yes. you let me down. What does he, what does he say? You have let this club down. It's you yes. have let this club down. It's you and your blue union. You and your yeah. blue union. He's yeah. known for it. It was 12 years yeah. ago. You know, the man's still here, spouting the same shite, blaming the same people. There's only certain people to blame, and it's not the fans. It's the owner, the chairman, and the board of directors. And every one of them, should be made to leave that club tomorrow from it, the owner as an instruction because it's not insured to the disgrace. You know, you know, Casey, when, when, obviously when you talk about like leadership, you know, and then you talk about the need to be visible, accountable, be visible, you know, and and for me, they're two, two you know, just two of leadership attributes you'd, you'd, you'd put to a good leader. But visibility, you know, you can, you can say, you can try and tell me that the director's box is an unsafe place to be. I've certainly never seen any trouble um, there of any notes of, you know, of anyone getting harmed. But there is no visibility, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and if you don't, if you disappear and you put yourself in a bunker and, and it's not just attributed to this game, you know, um, when I went to the meeting the other day, the fan advisory boards one, uh, just, you know, as a fan to give my feedback on, on the issues and probably similar conversations to what we're having now. I know you were there as well, Katie. Um, a lot of fans were really annoyed. Um, and I think Jazz got it quite a lot because he was the, the kind of person that was front and centre. But they were annoyed that the boards are nowhere to be seen. They were annoyed that the club have disappeared into a bunker. You know, there's no visible leadership anywhere at the football club. Frank Lampard's been fronting all this up all season himself. And, you know, I'm not sticking up for Frank Lampard in terms of the results and tactics or anything like that. But he shouldn't be, the, you know, the, the man that's having to, you know, stick up for bad decisions at the top for not having any, you know, strikers on the pitch. And he's having to, to patch together, you know, a team every week. It, there is no visibility, uh, and I just want to take you back to, to a quick one. Uh, this was an article uh, on the 21st of January, uh, 22, 
it seems like the time's just disappearing on us, but it was by Phil Kilbride at the time. And it was a justification why they were scrapping the annual general meeting, which obviously for, for anyone that doesn't know is for the shareholders committee at the time. Uh, and, and the actual wording that uh, Phil used, and this was a quote, I believe, from Farhad Mashiri, is the club is moving forward with its discussions with fan groups to ensure the voice of all, in capitals, Evertonians can be heard through a robust structure for the future. Robust. We also introduce a series of regular events, something I'll, I'll flag as well, uh, that will be accessible to all fans again using this this kind of terminology all fans and clear dialogue with the club's senior leaders this was just gone obviously just coming up to 12 months next week um so i want to know first of all obviously since then july i think it's fair to say the fan advisory board has been set up um i spoke to someone off the record uh in, in relation to the fan advisory board um so they were talking about all fans having access and these regular events with the senior leaders. But even this fan advisory board, which is supposed to be the club's go-to people now to speaking at a senior level, Denise turns up apparently at one of the first meetings, quick introduction and disappeared. Not been seen since, been AWOL since, nearly six months ago. There's been a couple of meetings since, I believe Graham Sharp's turned up at a couple, just sat there, not really had anything to say. Don't blame him. You know, why is he on the board? He was he was given stadium tours not so long ago. You know, he, he, again, how is he going to front up these decisions? Uh, and I believe um, Kenyon hasn't been to one. Grant Ingalls, the mysterious man, I wouldn't know him if he walked past me in the street. Um, surprise, surprise, he's not been to one. And Bill Kenwright hasn't been to any of these meetings. <coughs> so this fan advisory board that was set up. Is but let's take... It probably doesn't, no. But if we take back to the words, all fans... So where are these regular events, the series of regular events, where are these discussions and clear talk with all fans from, not just the club, because the club do speak to people, let's get that right, at a fan engagement level, but the senior executives, which was promised by Farhad Mashiri, does he know that this hasn't happened? Is he getting told it's happened? But there's no visibility. There's no accountability now because the annual general meeting, at least shareholders, got to question decisions and, and ask these questions. I believe Kevin Fellwell did turn up at one. He's given this kind of big plan about how the club's moving forward. But this promise was to all fans. And some of these details at the annual general meeting about Brands's plan, if you think back a few years back, was given out to the whole fan base. We've actually gone backwards. So we're actually worse off now, Creighton something that should have actually improved fan engagement. We're getting worse. And and this goes back to the visibility elements and accountability of leaders. The visibility has disappeared. I was on the fans forum and I've nearly done 12 months for this season. They're, they're committed within the terms of reference to turn up the, the club senior executives at three meetings a year. We're now in January. Guess how many they've turned up at? Zero. Dave, this is just another example very, very clearly explained there of hanging people out to dry. I have the greatest sympathy for Jazz. I think he's been put in an impossible position because he stands there and he talks to people on various things, Toffee TV, various podcasts, and talks about having dialogue with senior members of the football club, senior members. Who are these people? Can we have their names? Can we know who we're talking about? Because I think there's a tier in between this board, this board of gods who stroll around in a magical kingdom doing what they like, and there's a series of people underneath them, perhaps that's Kenyon and others, who are the senior people, the senior people. Who are these senior people that he's talking to? 
And they are a series of lightning rods, a series of human shields that are gathered in concentric circles around the chairman of the football club and the owner who are in a nuclear bunker watching fairy tales because there is absolutely no accountability. There is absolutely no visibility. There is absolutely no responsibility. And what we lack more than anything is competence. Competence in a commercial environment, competence in communication, competence in management, before we even get to competence on the pitch. Sorry, Katie, I jumped in there and Dave wanted to get your view. It's okay, Dodge. I just think, um, regarding the fab when we went the other day, Dave, um, I, I'll be honest, I was booked in for the Sunday. Um, I'm, I was just really intrigued what they were about, to be honest. Um, and also, what spiel were they going to fill us in with? Because as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's, it's a load of shit, to be brutally honest with you. It's a tick box exercise from the club. Everton didn't come up with this. Everton were made to make a fab, as were every other Premier League club, due to the Super League. That's what it. That's why it come about. It didn't come about because Everton thought, "I'll tell you what, we get a group of fans from all different, you know, areas within the club, the disability, the supporters club, the shareholders. We'll get all them together and and we'll make something of this. We were made to do it by the Premier League, so." People either don't know that, or if they do, they're forgetting that. You know, if if the likes of Jazz, you know, I know Jazz on a personal level, you know, got respect for him as a person. Do agree with some of his views? No, I don't. But Jazz knows that, and I spoke to Jazz about that, and I respect his views, because there is. Don't agree with them. I wouldn't do what he'd done last Thursday for a gold clock. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't have put myself in that position and the club put the fab in that position on Thursday night. Because he hung them out to dry by putting a statement out at half five, knowing full well that it was their first face-to-face at seven o'clock. And you could feel the heat in the room. But you know what? I don't think some people helped themselves. I think he was asked a personal question of his own view. You know, what he thought, and he wouldn't answer it. I don't think he helped himself in that situation. If you're going to stand there, then you're going to be the front of something. And, you know, do these face-to-face things. You've got to give honest answers. And unfortunately, that's what the club also don't do. They don't give honest answers. So we can sit there and we can write a list up of a million questions to put to the club. They're not going to answer them. And if they do, they'll just feel you with a load of shit like they always do anyway. And it was quite interesting to see the following like the following night, the vice actually quit because they don't believe, and they say it in the statement, Hannah Rocks, um, Hans Tours on Twitter, she's actually one of my best mates. But a lot of Hannah, she's got models. She's got models and she puts Everton first. She doesn't put herself first. She puts Everton first and the best for this football club. And that's exactly what happened. And for them to turn around and say, I don't believe what the fab are doing. They're not going to get the answers what they're looking for. The club's simply not interested. They don't care. They probably don't even know who the fab are. 
Bill Kenwright, as you said, Dave, he's sitting in a meeting with him for the only time in three years, and he had to be told three times who he was wearing in the meeting. It's downright ignorant. It's rude because they're not interested. All they're interested in is picking up a wage. That's it. The second highest paid board on the Premier League. Do you honestly think they're going to give a shit about us? Of course they're not. Because they're still getting the money regardless. They've been rewarded for failure. They're the smallest board on the Premier League. Yeah. The smallest board, pound for pound. They're probably the most highest paid then, if that's the case. If they're the smallest board. They've got two um, chartered accountants within the club. One of them's Grant Ingalls. One of them's Farad Mashiri. It's the highest accountant you could be. They've got the worst, worst cash flow out of any club in the Premier League. How is this being allowed to happen? It's absolutely scandalous. I was on a, another podcast last week. View from the Bullens. You wouldn't run a corner shop like this. It's not sustainable. But these same clowns are still making the wrong decisions and the ones who are getting it in the neck and the ones who are angry, and rightly so, is the paying fun and they're taking the piss out of us. So the, in terms of the fab, it's just a tick box exercise. We don't care. They're not going to go. I think he said that uh, these questions will be put to Richard Kenyon before they go to the board. Of course they will. Because do you honestly think Richard Kenyon's going to lay them questions out to that board? Because I don't. I think it was actually um, promised as well that if the questions aren't answered, if certain questions aren't answered, then the FAB will announce this and say the club have either declined to answer that question or this is basically the answer what they've given, which isn't really much. They're not going to go and give you the answers because they don't care. To be honest, they probably don't know the answers themselves. The thing is, Katie, that... What, what what does it matter if they do give us the answers as well? It doesn't. It it's doesn't going to change. Not, nothing's going to change. And you can have these answers all you want, but are, are they going to be the truth? Because I think, didn't he say it was a fixed term, £500 million stadium? Who even believed that in the first place if the, when he put that out? Because let's be honest, the only thing that's fixed terms these days is your mortgage, what you're paying. If you do a fixed term rate, the way the world and inflation, it was never going to stay at 500 million pounds. So we, we have reports all over the place, some saying we still need money, some saying we don't, it's all sorted. No one's coming out and speaking. The fans are confused. Biggest question I want to know is if we get relegated, is that ground going to get finished? Is it going to get paid for? Because I don't think it will. Because who on earth is going to come in? And give the apparent 150 million, 250 million, whatever it is, and give it a name and right in the championship. It's criminal, it's criminal what they're doing. It's not in short of a disgrace. It's neglect. It's sheer neglect. If you treated the dog like that, you'd be put in prison and it, the dog would be put down. They're treating our football club like that. It's disgusting. There was someone I was speaking to the other day as well, um, and spoke name the names just in case. Um, they went to uh, the game with a couple of kids, and you know, 
husband and wife, um, and, and they actually feel really dragged through the mud. Um, he was saying, if it's I feel like I've done something wrong. He said, I haven't been all season because obviously the cost of living and all that and not being able to afford to go. So he, he was looking forward to bringing like the kids and, and his missus to this game. You know, obviously spent a fortune, the kids as you do nowadays. And, you know, the kids were really hyped up for the coach meet. And, you know, they, obviously they were oblivious to all the, the background stuff going on. But they had a fantastic time, you know, without, you know, as Katie relevantly said before, you know, it was a peaceful organised meeting. Uh, the sitting was organised through the club. The club were involved in that decision-making process. We're aware of all the details and facilitated it. And it was peaceful as a result. Um, yeah, but I he's... just on the back of that, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, it's being put in the press that um, it was, it got moved to a, a Cate game. It got moved for the Cate game because of the protest. Um, I understand that NS... NOW, sorry, underscore W, were in discussions with the club itself regarding prior to this, ensuring it was safe, the safety of stewards, the safety of fans. And they were quite happy to interact with them over this. And they made it a category A game because it needed more policing. But they've made it out that there's a heightened security for the Arsenal game. There always is. It's a category A game. It's always heightened security. No matter what, every Category A game at Goodison Park always is heightened because of the nature of the game, because of the opposition, what you're playing. But they've made it out in the press like with a lynch mob, so they're going to have to go and put more security on. That's always been the case. But It's an narrative, isn't it? It's narrative. Yeah, mate, it's, it's terrible. You're reading that and you're thinking, God, these are putting more police on here because there's going to be murder at the... No, there's not. That's not the case. And it, it never has been the case. But they've made it that way. They've spun it like we're yobs. That's what they've done. Like we're going to go and turn up like MMA fighters, which isn't the case. The funniest thing for me, we were sitting on the couch on Sunday night, I think it was, and Gemma... Um, my girlfriend actually goes to me, she burst out laughing. I went, what are you laughing at? She went, a fucking headlock then. They could have come up with something more realistic. A headlock. And I just laughed and was just like, do you know what, you're right. If you're going to lie, at least make it realistic. You tell me nobody's seen this headlock in the middle of a director's box. It's it's not sure. It's it's just degrading. It's like fools, complete and all fools. As I was saying, Casey, about about that as well. My my mate's granddad reached out to him. I was worried, calling him up on Monday, asking if he was okay. And he said, yeah, no issues at all. You know, the kids really enjoyed the game. He said, are you sure? There was all kinds of violence, wasn't there? And there's you know people attacked, and there was you know players getting chased. Now, this is, you know, a, a fella that's in his 80s, worries about his grandkids, you know, yeah. and, and, and we can laugh and discuss it, and, and, and but it's serious, isn't it? You know, the, the, there was, you know, this cons- the, the, the impact this has had, it's, it's gone global, and not the facts, but actually the narrative that's been spanned in the media, the you know, the, the, the misinformation, yeah, you know, and and look, I'm, I'm not going to turn around and say it was, you know, true, a lie or anything, the headlock, I just don't know. 
All I know is that I've seen no evidence of it. I've seen an unnamed source in the Echo and that there's not been any reports made to the police. So as far as I'm concerned, that says to me that it hasn't happened, but it doesn't matter now that the, it's out there, the story's out there. People believe it's happened. So no matter what's said now, the damage is done. You know, damage is done, and do you know what? The reputation's been damaged. Accountable for that that actual incident. The only no. ones who are accountable for it are the board because they've made it up. Look at poor Roger Tweedle. He's your prime example. He threw an empty Lucasade bottle at an Aston Villa player. He never even hit the Aston Villa player, by the way, but he threw an empty, an empty Lucasade bottle. You're not allowed to throw objects. He was dragged out of his house within 24 hours. Didn't he end up doing a bit of time for it? And he got banned. Probably, yeah. I think you remember it, yeah. hours of this happening. Where's the Villa game, yeah. Two weeks today. There's not one video. There's not one witness. There's not one bit of evidence. There's been no actual report of this to the police. Nobody's been arrested. It's not, it's scandalous. It's caused panic. It's caused panic as well. Because yeah, I believe even her game too, and people like that have been getting contacted. You know, a female's worried about going in the game. You know, it's caused the amount of damage and reputational harm that's caused. But not just that, just us everyday Evertonians. I don't know how you feel, uh, Katie, but I feel like I've done something wrong. You know, I've turned up yeah. supporting the team that I love, and you know, it. I, I was looking at my finances this year and and really worrying about making me money stretch, you know, and it was a big decision for the first time in a long time, renewing my season tickets. But I do it because I love the football club. You know, going to the games, everything to me. So I make it work. And then I'm going to the football club. I volunteered my time for years, support them as a passion they always do. And then I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like crap because I feel like, you know, I'm being Evertonians as a whole have being hauled through the media internationally. And slated and slagged off everywhere, and no one's defending us. Who what a way to treat well, us? It is there, there is. This is what's interesting. Let me just jump in for a minute because I agree with you on the eighty-year-olds. I spoke to my dad earlier today. I said, "What are you hearing about Everton?" He said, "Oh, well, they've increased security for the Arsenal game." To Katie's point, so this narrative is being spun both locally, nationally, and internationally that we're a bunch of hoodlums. It's an absolute disgrace that they're doing that. But what has happened? What has happened in the last 24, 48 hours? And even before that game, is some people have started to come out. Some people with profile, Ian Wright today came out, called out the board. Alan Stubbs, fine man, has come out before the game and called out the board. And even the late lamented Keys and Gray, for goodness sake, are coming out and calling out the board. So there is, there is some kind of movement in the mass media that people aren't buying this bullshit anymore. You know? And, Bloody well, it is about time, Katie. Of course it's about time. I mean, in the 80s, we had a whole load of nonsense that we were the most racist fans in the world, you know? There was a whole narrative spun then about, about Everton fans in the 80s because of what some idiot did throwing a banana on the pitch uh, to, to John Barnes, you know? And, and, and so Everton Football Club um, has dragged itself through the mud, through the people here, supposedly in charge, supposedly the guardians of the football club, in the last week have done nothing but drag our name through the dirt. So let me come back to you guys and ask you, what on earth do we now do? Because this is our club, it's not theirs. What do we do? What do we yeah. do to make this better? 
Yeah, I think I've just actually put something out. Um, whilst we're actually on this, that says Everton sources said that the alleged headlock incident had not been reported to police. According to Baxendale's wishes, she did not want to escalate it into a criminal matter. It's unclear which home game the alleged incident is said to have occurred. So she didn't want it to go to a police matter, but they were happy giving it to the national media with zero evidence, with absolutely nothing. They've sold us down the river. They're not in short of a disgrace and they should be removed from their duties tonight. It is absolutely disgusting. The less they say on this, the better, because they're making things worse for themselves every time you go and speak to the media. Do you know what? The better off just coming out and going. Do you know what, actually? That didn't happen. It didn't happen. But the more that they're coming out and speaking, the worse it is. She didn't want to make it a police matter. She didn't want to make it a police matter because it didn't happen. It's as simple as yes, but Katie, Katie, if it did happen, if it let's just imagine it did happen, and Denise is one of very few high-profile women in football. In fact, I think she's the only now that there's been the change at Chelsea, the only female chief executive of Premier League football club, was accosted and physically uh, harmed by someone. Surely it's her responsibility to make that public and have that properly investigated by the proper authority. Take action. Yeah. Yes. So, so it just doesn't make sense. Either it happened or it didn't. And if it happened, you have to report it. And if it didn't happen, you don't say anything. Can I just pick you Can I just pick it up on that? That um Casey, can you read that first line? Was this this club source again? Or was it actually named someone that's come to them? Everton sources. Oh right, okay. So it's not that they've never got brown sauce in the paddock. They've always they've only ever got some Worcestershire sauce. sauce. It? It's Worcestershire sauce. But, uh, we all know who the source is, we all know who it is that's coming out and leaving things the best. We need to like like Roger said before, we you know, it needs someone needs to come out in this, you know, this revered board, um as as, as the you know, the known internally, not externally. Um, and actually start communicating to us, you know, and and communicating to us in a way that, that clears all this up, and, and and you know, and and starts to 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 make strides to to apologise and to start repairing the reputation of Evertonians that love the football club, you know, it, I, I I you know I'm I'm one of many that, that now are demanding change. It's not good enough. We need change at, at board level, and for me, dialogue's finished. We need people which, to walk which away. you say you want them to come out. You say you want the board to come out and make a statement. Somebody to stand up from the board. You told me to save this phrase. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it now. You know that's like going into the Goodison Calf and asking them for a tuna niçoise. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's impossible. You've gone to the. I wrong don't place. want them to say any. I don't want them to say anything because the more they say, the more angry it's making people because they're taking so, the piss out of us. The better saying nothing over this incident, like they said last night. But by the way, they made an official statement last night, but they only sent it to the BBC. They didn't even put it on their own website or their own Twitter account. How can you make a club statement and not even put it from your official channel? It's, it's extraordinary. There's a, there's a journalist at the BBC um, who's, um, she's called uh, Julia, Juliet Ferrington. And her Twitter account, she says that it's only her personal views. 
And she was one of the first people who tweeted about this attack on Denise Barrett Baxendale. She's BBC, still hasn't taken it back. It's still up there on Twitter, retweeted by Henry Winter and others. It's absolutely defamatory of the club, the reputation, the fan base and everything. And if there has been some um, detraction or retraction of it, then then you've got to make that more public than the first leak. It's, it's I, I don't know, words words fail me for this club. They, 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 they constantly... Um, continue to amaze me with their utter incompetence. I thought back earlier today, seven years it is almost since Farhad Mashiri arrived, and I can remember one of the very first Everton Business Matters podcasts back in the day with the Blainsey Man and the Esk, and I said I really hope Farhad Mashiri doesn't turn out to be Ellis Short or Randy Lerner, and he's turned out to be worse than both of them. Randy Lerner, who locked his own fans out of the stadium because he appointed a manager from Birmingham City. Ring any bells with Rafa Benitez? And Ellis Short, who took Sunderland out of the Premier League with a lovely, shiny new stadium. Ring any bells. Where do we go from here as a club, Dave? Where do we go now? We have only half the season to go, or we still have half the season to go, depending on whether you're half full or half empty. The bottom of the table is really congested, you know. OK, we're joint bottom, but two wins and we go 13th, for goodness sake. So we've got 19 games to go. How do we save our skin? My question is, 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 sorry to throw one back at you, but does it really matter what we do? You know, I think no matter, you know, who comes in or if Frank stays, we're still going to have the same, you know, the same root causes behind the scenes. You know, we've seen well, symptoms on the pitch, but, we, you know, this, this dysfunctional boardroom are going to be the same boardroom in 12 months' time, probably, because they just don't listen. You've got the Teflon chair, you know, the absent owner, um, and then whoever's in charge at the time, because whoever's in charge at the time on, on, on the pitch, just 18 months, 12 months, and, and they're gone again, and we, we, we're going backwards. So I don't know, yeah. Roger, honestly. I, I, I'd normally well, I have two things. There's two, I, was, I was trying to get to the two things. There's two, the short and medium. Forget long, because long's too far away. Short is 19 games, can we save our Premier League skin? Medium is we have to have a change of ownership, end of story, because without a change of ownership, we're not getting a change in the board. You might get Grant Ingalls falling on his sword or Graham Sharp, but you will not see Ken Wright leave. You will not see Barrett Baxendale leave. So there's going to be no change at boardroom level. Um, Frank hasn't helped himself because he's aligned himself with the board, but he's not helped himself on the pitch. The results and the performances have been dreadful so far this season. So short term, do we have to change the manager? And medium term, how on earth do we bring about a sale of the football club? How do we get rid of this most dreadful dreadful owner who doesn't care about us, Katie? I think the short and the medium should be aligned, to be honest. I think they're the same thing at the moment and only because if you get rid of the manager, I don't trust them to replace him. If you keep him, I don't trust them to keep us up. Yeah. So to them, they're going to go and make the same mistakes that they've made in the past seven managers in the past seven years. You get rid of Frank Lampard tonight. Who did they replace him with? I don't trust them to do it. So what you need is to replace them all if you're going to do that. Go and get proper football people in to then go and pick a proper manager. I don't mean disrespectful towards Lampard and saying a proper manager. I mean one who they haven't picked in the past seven years because every single one of them have done nothing but fail. And They've failed partly because of the board. Some simply haven't been good enough themselves and made mistakes. Not all of them can be bad. 
not all of them is it their own fault. There's a lot that have gone on behind the scenes. And all that falls on the boards and the owners. That falls at their feet. Because you've got the owner who allows the chairman, I think it was it reported in the Echo not so long ago, well, a few transfer windows ago, that Ken Wright is still heavily involved in, in transfer deals. You know, for somebody who doesn't have anything to do at the club and doesn't really do much, but he's not really doing a very good job at transfer deals in the past. You've got a CEO who has done absolutely nothing and nothing commercially. Graham Sharp, Jesus Christ, what do we say about Graham Sharp? What the hell is he doing on Everton's board? That's the only thing I can say about him, really. You know, he should have stayed in the 80s as our legend number nine. He sold his soul and sat there and he's being paid handsomely to do so. I yes. think people have said, you know, what's with the sharp out shouts? Well, why keep him in? Give me a good yep. enough reason what an ex number nine who has done nothing in business off the field hasn't really done much in football off the field. Why is he sitting? On a Premier League board, what does he what does he bring to the table? He brings protection for the chairman. That's what 100%. he brings. One hundred percent. He's a bootlicker. He's a bootlicker like the rest of them. That's why he's there. That's the only reason he's been put on that board. Denise Barrett Baxendale. Listen, what she's done with Everton in the community, fair play to her. You know, she's done a great job. But I think um, Chris made a great point on the View from the Bowens podcast. She ran a cash-rich charity. You can't fail. It's impossible because it's a constant flow of money. You don't really have that much of a responsibility. Roger, you could run everything in the community. I could probably run it myself. Dave, you could. What has she done to be a CEO? Of one of the top clubs in England. It, it's mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. If these same people are making the same mistakes, how on earth do you trust them to go and fix the short term? Because I don't. Never mind the medium bit. The short term is my priority, not the medium and the long, because the short term will define your medium and your long. If you don't fix this short term now, you're medium and your long is absolutely pointless because you're going to be in the same position in your long term as what you are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a circle. It's just like a boomerang. It keeps coming back to you. That's all it's doing. It's the same thing all the time. So you have to fix the short term for the medium and the long to change. That's the most vital thing for this football club. Now, whether you go and change the manager or you don't, is totally irrelevant if you don't go and change the board of directors and the chairman with it because they are also very, very weak at the same time. So why the owner is making and has made poor decisions and will no doubt continue to do so going forward because he's been allowed to. Now, it's okay saying he's the owner, he can do what he wants. No, people have roles within that job. Directors of football have roles within this job at not one point. Have they gone in that boardroom and gone, 
no, that's my job, that's not yours. You, you know, you leave him to do that. Where are they? That boardroom being undermined, that they're having on a constant basis by machinery. But they won't walk away because they're getting an awful lot of money to sit there. They won't walk away because they're being so handsomely paid. And the chief executive, the chief executive alone is earning 10 times more than she was earning 10 years ago. So she's clearly like like anyone in that position is very happily going to stay exactly where she is. If we've learned one thing from the Mashiri years, we've learned that money doesn't buy you success. Money is not what we miss. What we miss is a plan. What we miss is competence. What we miss is a culture of continuous improvement. What we miss is being Brentford or Brighton and Hove Albion, and how embarrassing is that? So which, how on earth do we, how, how do we make this change? Because it's not about money, it's about when competence. Put money in the wrong hands, though. See, yes. In this, day, in this day and age in football, unfortunately, okay, you, you look back at Leicester. I'm not going to say Leicester was a, fl- a fluke for as much as I dislike them. That would be disrespectful. They got it spot on that year. And... They just snowballs into everything. And they've done what they've done. But let's not forget, since they've also gone on to win an F- win FA Cup, let's say. So it shows you that the Premier League just won, because they've gone on won another major trophy. Having money hasn't been the problem. It's the people who have been given the money that are the problem. And that's the main thing. You go and look. We, we're the only club who's, who's coming to money and have absolutely ballsed it up. And it's because the people who have been given that money to spend haven't got a clue what to do. They've threw it around like confetti, like it's monopoly money. So the money isn't the issue. The owner and who we give it to have been the issue. You you turn the tides back seven years ago and you go and wipe the slate clean when he come into this club and got rid of everything what had failed before him or he removed what has failed after these turns up, which he still hasn't. He still kept them here. And you went and got proper football people in, proper business people in, good commercially, and give them money and allow people to do the job, by the way, not just give them money, allow yeah. them to pick the managers allow them to pick the players because that's what you're paying them in that role as a director of football to do and a manager to do. Not you go and bring your mate up, Kia, who, who is a super agent who wants to line his own pocket and doesn't give two shits about Everton. If he'd have done all of this properly, this football club would not be sitting in this situation. But he hasn't. He's gone and given it to the wrong people, the ones who have failed continuously, and that is on his head, and only he can fix that by removing the people who failed this club before he come and continue to fail it now. That's his responsibility. And if these people had anything about them, you know, if Bill Kenwright, the biggest Evertonian, what does he say? He's the best salesman for Everton. No, he's not. Bill Kenwright is the best salesman for himself. He's made a lot, a lot of money on failing and he still won't walk away because he will make more money should this ground get get built, get completed. He will be, he wants to cut the ribbon 
I've heard rumours, you know, we've seen it. I think Simon Jordan said he's, he's a very ill man. He's 77. If he's very ill, then do the honorary thing and resign and leave this football club and put it in the hands of somebody who is competent, who knows what they're doing, who's got knowledge, a plan, ideas, and gives a shit because he doesn't. He never has. He's only ever cared about one thing, and that's himself. Katie, thank you. Um, I am not wearing a hat. If I had one on, I'd take it off. Um, that needs to be bottled. Brilliant. Which, can we have your final thoughts? I can't give a summary like Katie has just done. It was outstanding and I couldn't agree more. Um, Ray Blaine's he talking on Toffee TV before and he said, you can't change the people, change the people. Uh, and he's right. I think talk is cheap now. I don't think anything will make serious changes other than people moving away. Um, the football club's got to move on. You are right in what you said earlier on. They are just the temporary custodians. Let's you know give this football club back to the fans, you know, and and give them something to cheer and um, bring competent people in with a clear plan. Um, but more importantly, I just want to say is, you know, for any Evertonians listening, let's keep on looking after one another. Let's keep looking out for one another. Let's not let our reputations be tarnished. You know, let's not stand for second best anyway, but let, more importantly, you know, if, if we don't look after one another, if we don't keep uniting together and, and asking for change, then this is going to continue, you know, to happen to us time and time again. And, and it's just not good enough, is it? You know, we don't want to be spending all our hard-earned money and, and being served up this. We don't want our names and reputations being tarnished all over national media and, and you know, all that money that we spend just not being valued. Um, You know, as... We all know Evertonians are the best part of this football club and it'll be here long after Farad Mashiri, Bill Kenwright, Denise Bannock, Baxendale and, and the rest of them have gone. You know, it's it'll be down our generations that it's passed. So stand up, um, make sure your voices are being heard respectfully. You know, it's not about abuse or abusing individuals and all that. And, you know, of course, you know, that happens at every football club and it's never right. But us Evertonians are better, you know, but our, us Evertonians, more importantly, are better when we're together when we're united. Um, so let's stand together and, and let's ask for better because we deserve better. Thanks, Roger. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, I, it's been a, it's been an absolute privilege to listen to you two um, this evening. You both have my utmost respect. And whilst I'm not proud of what this football club has become in recent years, especially under the Mashiri ownership, I remain blown away by the fan base and uh, by the unity that we show, by the togetherness that we can bring to bear, demonstrate to the outside world, I'm sure that change will come. Um, Katie and Witch, uh, I'm in your debt. Thank you for your time. It's been a, been a real privilege to, to be with you all. And at the end of it, there's only one thing we can say, and it's uh, up those effing toffees. Good night. Good night.
together.